Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 455 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 25th, 2023, and the San Diego Padres just dropped game one of their three-game set, game one of their six-game road trip through Milwaukee and St. Louis, dropped it to the Brewers by a score of 7-3. to I don't know how much I'm going to talk about tonight's game, just being honest, because I feel like the season's over. I've already said that multiple times on post-game reactions, pre-game thoughts on this show. So if you're listening on the podcast platforms or you're watching here on YouTube, whether that's live or on replay, you probably know my thoughts. You know that I think that this season is over. So I think it's appropriate to talk more about big picture things. And there's some other interesting things that are going to be happening throughout the rest of this season, maybe some development of minor leaguers, maybe the Joe Musgrove watch, Robert Suarez's suspension. Obviously, there's going to be talk about Bob Melvin. So I'm going to hit on all of those things. There was an injury tonight with Jake Cronenworth. So I'll still talk about the game, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time on, oh man, in this situation, you know, you're just spending a bunch of time on certain spots just because to be honest, I feel like fans are tired of that. Like they know that the season is over and they know what the problem has been this season. 
And a lot of it has been situational hitting. And I've hammered that probably over a lot of your guys' heads all season long, pretty much. Like, they're just not doing good enough. They have to be better in these situations. And if they don't, then this is where they're going to be. And this is where they are because they haven't been able to do it consistently. So you've, you've heard it, right? You're, you're probably tired of that. So I'm going to go to the live chat, obviously, and you know go through the comments, the questions, and probably talk about some more things that are outside of what happened in tonight's game. Now, we can start off with what happened in tonight's game. Um, obviously, a 7-3 loss. And it was it came down to some situational hitting, you know, Padres on the Padres side of things, why they could only get three runs across. You know, Gary had a home run, Manny had a home run. That was great, but it's not like those were big, impactful home runs. Manny's was when they were down five nothing already. Gary's home run happened in I think what the ninth inning. The game was already over. The game was over after the third inning, right? Maybe some Padres fans had some faith and they waited till like Rich Hill came into the game and they were like, okay, now it's done. But if you've been watching this team, even those that were optimistic at one point about this team, like I was and tried to be optimistic, and I think I stayed optimistic about this team longer than most Padres fans did, even people like me, they, they knew the game was going to be over. Like, it's just, it's pretty clear when this team gets down now, you, you just don't believe. And it's not like, you're doing it because you hate the team. It's because you've just seen it time and time again. When they are down, they usually don't come back and win. Sure, there's some outliers, and obviously the Tatis home run, the big home run that he had. I don't want to say big because it wasn't really that big in terms of the season, but it was a big, like, memorable moment, I guess. The home run to center against the Orioles on that Friday night. Um, and actually, they weren't down, right? They were just getting shut out. I don't think they were down in that spot. I think it was 0-0. Um, but anyway, just there's some exceptions, but for the most part, when they're down, they're not coming back. And this is what happened tonight. They got down 5 nothing. You Darvish, obviously, was not good enough. Four innings, six hits, only struck out three. So that tells you like he just wasn't very effective. Um, five earned runs, gave up that big home run to Rowdy Telez, left the pitch right down the middle, uh, I believe, to the Milwaukee Brewers to uh, William Contreras, Wilson Contreras' brother, for the first run for Milwaukee, and then breaking ball, Willie Adamas singled into center, made it 2-0, and then Telez, I mean, that ball was a hung breaking ball. Perfect, right for Rowdy Telez. I mean, you can't hang that pitch where that was and expect that Rowdy Telez isn't going to take advantage of that, right? Like, Because the Brewers are actually a good team this year, pretty solid baseball team well over 500 they're like 14 games over 500 i think where the padres if you leave something over the middle of the plate maybe they don't capitalize on that we've seen that plenty of times this year we saw that today xander bogart's a fastball right down the middle i think there was a runner on third early in the game and he swung right through it you know so um you know when like i said in my post game reaction when you're playing a, a good team someone that's better than you when you make some of these mistakes like this they're going to capitalize on that, and you're not going to be able to win that game most of the time. And that's what happened tonight. Rich Hill comes into the game after that, and I'm fine with Rich Hill pitching in these games when, I mean, I shouldn't say that I'm fine with it because when they're down and you're still technically in it, right, you're, you're not officially eliminated yet. So I shouldn't say that I'm fine with Rich Hill coming into these games when they're down five, four runs, whatever it was. But I understand it because. 
when you're down 5 nothing at one point, you're down 5-1 after the Manny home run, I think Bob Melvin and the coaching staff realize, okay, we're not going to win this game, so let's pitch someone that isn't going to be pitching in a high-leverage spot tomorrow or on Sunday, right? Like that That's what Rich Hill's role is going to be the rest of this year. Or if they're out of it, then maybe he'll just go take someone's outings. Maybe he'll go take Waka's outings or whoever to keep guys healthy. I don't know. But especially, you know, it's like Luis Garcia, right? When Luis Garcia comes in a game, usually it's mop-up and the Padres are down by a bunch or they're up by a bunch and the game's over either way. That's what Rich Hill is. Um, and that's the situation that the Padres called on him. And he gave up a couple runs, two and, ter- two and two-thirds innings, and he didn't strike out anyone. That's just who Rich Hill is. He relies so much on location, and he's 43. So I'm, it's not like I had super high expectations for Rich Hill coming in, but I guess I expected him to pitch a little bit better than he has pitched with the Padres. And he cares, obviously. Whenever he does something bad, he's extremely hard on himself. So. I like the accountability from Rich Hill. He'll be the first one to say that he has sucked with the Padres. He has said to the media that, yeah, my performances have been crap. But words to the media being accountable, like I don't think Padre fans really care. They care more about, obviously, the result on the field. And the result on the field is really bad, really bad baseball, really bad pitching from Rich Hill for the most part in a Padres uniform. And he has, um, now look, if, if, it, if Rich Hill was not on this team, they'd still be in a bad spot. They still wouldn't be in a postseason spot. So I'm not putting this on Rich Hill. But, I mean, we can start comparing some of the Padres trade deadline additions to like, a team like the Dodgers, where they went and acquired team, uh, guys that weren't having great seasons, Lance Lynn or Ryan Brazier or Joe Kelly, and then they go dominate with the Dodgers. And the Padres bring in G-Man Choi. He gets hurt. Didn't get a hit with the Padres, I don't think. Garrett Cooper... Hasn't been like amazing. Rich Hill obviously has uh, in a few outings has hurt the Padres and pretty much been a big reason why the Padres didn't win games when he's on the mound. Um, the additions haven't been good. Just haven't worked out. And I'm glad that they didn't go make a big splashy addition and trade Jackson Merrill or something because that would have made this year even worse. And this year continues to get worse. I mean... You think it can't get worse, like I said in my post-game reaction? Can't get worse? I mean, look where they're at entering this series, and they're already far out of a postseason spot. Joe's already hurt. Walk has been hurt. Lugo's been hurt. Xander's been hurt. Manny's playing through something. Tatis, obviously, is playing through something. You know guys are hurt. And, obviously, not going to be a postseason team. This is bad. And then it gets even worse with Crony getting hit on the hand tonight, late in the game, when the game was already over. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's just out for the year. I don't think that's who Crony is. Like he, he would just be okay and not try to fight to be back in the lineup until they're literally eliminated, mathematically eliminated. But he's already had a bad year. He would say that. I, would, I think he would say that. And they're not going to go be a postseason team. So what's the point in having Jake Cronenworth play? Might as well have Garrett Cooper play. Might as well have... Matt Carpenter go play first base every day. Like at this point, who cares? You know, they're not going anywhere. Get Cronenworth healthy so he can have a good offseason, kind of like Joe Musgrove, right? Just get healthy for a strong offseason so you can be good to go going into spring training next season and 
you know, maybe, maybe they play Matt Carpenter and he can play pretty well here in September. And maybe a team would be willing to take on that last year of a contract. I don't know. But I think that's why Matt Carpenter is still on the roster, right? He's not playing. He went three weeks without getting an at-bat. So there's a reason why he's still on the roster. And so I'm led to believe that in the offseason, the Padres are trying to, they're going to try to move him. Um, and maybe his stock can't get lower than it is, right? So hopefully, you know, he gets some at-bats here and he can play decent. And maybe a team can get a trade. Maybe maybe the Padres can find a trade for him. Um, I'm, I'm just looking on social media because I'm trying to find an update on Jake Cronenworth, but I don't see any update here, at least from my notifications that I have on. But yeah, it was a bummer, obviously. And those that watch and listen frequently, they know that I'm a huge Jake Cronenworth fan. Uh, big Musgrove fan. So for both guys to be hurt right now, uh, absolutely sucks. And Musgrove, he probably is going to say that this is a very disappointing season because of the injuries. And when he came back, he didn't pitch as good as he probably thinks he should have. And Crony, obviously, he's going to say this was a sucky year as well because he just hasn't performed up to expectations. And he got the big contract at the beginning of the season. And he's locked in. And he hasn't performed well enough offensively. And when you look at him moving to first base for the most part this season, his value has pretty much plummeted because when you move from second to first, you're expected, at least the numbers, the, the, the metrics, whatever, they expect you to have a lot of power. And that's just not who Jake Cronenworth is. So we knew that his value was going to go down anyway, but I didn't know it was going to be this bad this season. I mean, he's hitting 229. His OPS is under 700. That's not a 70, 80 million dollar player right there. That's that's not who the real Jake Cronenworth is. I don't believe. Some are going to say, well, his number has his numbers have declined every year and all that, but I'm still going to choose to believe in him and hope that he can turn it around next year. And he's going to work his butt off in the off season to try to turn things around, get better offensively get back to that line drive hitter consistently. I hope that's what he does in the offseason. And that's what I'm doing with a lot of this in the offseason, just hoping that Manny's going to be good for next year. Tatis is going to come back even better next year. And Juan Soto, if he's on the team, he's going to be better because he is crapping the bed in August. Holy cow. I don't know if anyone saw the graphic that the Padres broadcast put up tonight, but the big guys, they have sucked recently. Tatis, he's hitting 213 in the month of August, a 645 OPS, 25 strikeouts, two home runs. Juan Soto, a 195 batting average. I think this was entering today, 645 OPS, four home runs, 15 strikeouts. And Manny's hitting 200, a 717 OPS, four home runs, 19 strikeouts. Like that's just not good enough. Nowhere close to being good enough. And how much money are those guys making? We know Tatis is obviously has a big contract lockdown. We know Soto's still making a lot of money for this year and then next year. And then Manny, we know he just signed a big extension. It's like, that's so much money. And then you add in Crony, and Bogarts has been disappointing this season. And it's like, well, even with all the positives from this season, from specific players, 
It's like, oh, well, what if I told you this and this and this were positive? How the heck are the Padres in the situation that they're in? Well, look at those numbers. Look at the big guys. How have they performed together this season? Not very well. Look at some of the other smaller pieces. How have they performed? Some not so well. Bullpen started out good, and then it went through a really tough stretch. And then there's been more injuries. So it's just been a really, really sucky season, and it just continues to get worse. Um, yeah, again, I, I don't really feel like talking a whole lot more about this Padres-Brewers game today. If someone in the chat does, then I can go back to it. But, yeah, just uh, Padres got down big early, and you knew that the game was over in the third inning, or at least I did. I don't know if anyone had faith in this team. If you did, I guess got to give props to you. But you're going to be let down if you if you think that this team has a run in them. Um, I'm sorry. You're, you're just going to get let down. I like that you're being optimistic, and I'll be optimistic in the offseason, hoping that they turn it around, and I'll be optimistic hopefully going into next season and want to believe in the team and the talent. But this season, you can't go back and change all those one-run games, all the extra inning games, the, the, the underwhelming performances from the big-name players. Can't go back with that. So it's over. It's, it's, I think, it's already over. All right. Before I get to Bob Melvin, and I can get to the chat uh, in a little bit as well. I will get to the chat here in a little bit. Uh, by the way, if you want to make sure I get to your comment, your question, you can use that dollar sign. Click that dollar sign, the super chat button there, and it, makes, it guarantees that I get to your comment, your question. Supports the channel, so thank you much, so much for that. Reminder, you can use my code TALKINGFRIARS, $20 off your SeatGeek order. Breaking Tea, click that link in the description. Great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, wave, wave. The San Diego team was able to win tonight, so at least that's a positive. Um, and then FOCO, um, I'm excited to be able to team up with them, a uh, new partner with the show. Um, they've, they've released some pretty cool bobbleheads and some bracelets and some other apparel, other collectibles. So you can click that link as well in the description for some great uh, FOCO stuff as well. I'm actually wearing one of the uh, friendship bracelets. I don't know if you can see this. One of the friendship bracelets that FOCO has. See the Padre logo there? So they've got some good stuff. I, I'm, I'm liking what, I, what I've got there, and they were nice enough, I think it was earlier this season, to send a Jake Cronenworth City Connect bobblehead my way. So they've been good. They've been a, a good brand. Um, and I like the bobbleheads, some of the bobbleheads that they have and some of the stuff that they have. They have straw hats as well. Um, so if you want one of those, there's like a, there's a Musgrove one. I think there's a Tatis one as well. And then there's other Padres ones. So they've got some good stuff. And it's not just Padres, but obviously it's a Padres show here. So I promote the Padres stuff. But there's other, there, there's, I think there's NFL, NBA, ML, all MLB teams. There's a bunch of stuff that they have on that website. But if you click that link in the description, it will take you to the Padres part of that. All right. I'll be back right after this to get to some of the chat. Check out Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so just a reminder, if you want to join the show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. Let's go to the chat. John says 69 wins. <laughs> yeah, what are they at right now? 61? 
61 and 68, six and a half games back of a wild card. Um, I believe the Cubs, did the Cubs lose tonight? I think they lost, but Padres lost as well, so it's not like it really matters. Um, they have a better run differential, the Padres do, than Miami, than Cincinnati, than San Francisco, than Arizona, than Philadelphia, but it doesn't matter. Run differential doesn't win you games. They have a better run differential than the Brewers. Brewers are in a playoff spot as well, but run differential is not what wins you a bunch of games. It wins you some games, but it doesn't guarantee you a postseason spot. None of that. So run differential, I'm, I'm tired of just seeing that in the standings. I wish they just eliminated that so I don't have to see the run differential in the standings anymore. Uh, but yeah, like there's a gap. Like I've said, you look at the wild card right now, you see Philly, Arizona, Chicago in the wild card spots. San Francisco, Cincinnati, a half game back, both of them. Miami, two and a half games back. And then after that, there's a four-game gap between Miami and the Padres. And the Washington Nationals, a team that is rebuilding, right? We just traded Abrams and Gore and you know top prospects to them last year for Soto. They might pass the Padres this weekend in the standings. They're playing Miami right now. And I think they won tonight. So they're one game back of the Padres. The Mets, who sold at the deadline, Verlander, Scherzer, Pham, Canna, they're all gone. Um, they are two games back of the Padres. So would it really surprise us if Washington and New York passed the Padres this season? I don't know. I don't know if it would. Because when the Padres are mathematically eliminated, which is going to be coming up here soon, a couple weeks probably, a few weeks, what's the point in having Manny play out there every day? What's the point in having Tatis play every day? What's the point in having Xander play every day? Uh, especially in the field. What's the point of having Crony play if he plays through this? What's the point? You know, and would they bring Eggy Rosario up and just place some guys on the IL to end the season? I don't know. Um, I don't want the players that are on the field, if they're in the lineup, I don't want them giving up on fans that still go to games at the end of the season and the season ticket holders that still go to the games at the end of the season and any fans that buy tickets some for some reason go to the games. I don't want them to give up on the field, but I'd understand if the Padres decide to tone it back once they're mathematically eliminated. Some would make the case that they should already start toning it back because they're not going anywhere this season, but they're not going to do that if they're mathematically still in it. It's just not going to happen. Uh, John says the season is cooked. They are not going to the playoffs. I can agree on that. Charmaine says, I don't see this team doing well for at least a few years. It's messy. I don't know about I don't know about that. I'm not ready to give up on this team already for next year and for 2025. Who knows what's going to happen in the offseason? New players coming in, big impact players, bounce back years from guys next year. I'm not going to give up on next year. I'm optimistic about next year and I'm I'm just hoping that this is like a, you know, once in a century collapse like Seidler said in 2021. I'm hoping this is once in a century uh, underwhelming from all the star players pretty much. Mike says, more solo irrelevant home runs by the Padres, which only help the back of their baseball card. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they really control when they hit home runs. I don't think Manny's like choosing to hit a home run when they're down 5 nothing uh, and there's no one on base. So, yeah, I'm going to hit a home run here. But I get the point. Yeah, it's it's felt like that a lot this season where someone hit, someone's hit a home run, but then you realize, oh, it's a solo home run, not a two-run home run or 
a three-run home run. No, just solo home run, and it's like, well, that's not really going to make you feel better. Not a whole lot of impact on that, you know? And like Gary's home run late today, game was already over. So just not a lot of impact there. All right, I'll get back to the chat. I did want to get to Bob Melvin here. Earlier today, so Friday morning, on Ben and Woods, he made some comments about his future and because I think it was Woodsy who asked Bob Melvin about if he's going to pretty much asked him about like his contract situation and his thoughts on managing for next season and all that. And Bob Melvin said, I'm going to finish out what I started unless I'm you know told otherwise. So essentially like, unless AJ fires me, I'm going to, finish out what I started. And that's not a surprise. He's not going to sit there, you know, on the radio and, and be like, "No, end of the year. I'm I'm done. I'm done with this." He's not going to say that in the middle, not in the middle, but st still during the season. That's not going to happen. I'm not I, I wouldn't be surprised though if Bob Melvin's like, "Man, I've, I've I've had enough of this." Um, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, maybe I'd be a little bit a little bit surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe a little surprised because the players have his respect, and I don't think he wants to just leave the players like that for selfish reasons, like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore, and just leave his club hanging, leave his players hanging, who thought that he was going to be there at least through 2024. But I wouldn't be shocked because Bob Mellon has had to go through a lot as Padres manager in the last couple of years. Sure, they made the postseason last year, but there was a ton that happened in the regular season, wasn't there? I mean, the Fernando suspension getting to know the entire organization, having COVID, and then there's the interim managers and obviously injuries like every year. And then this year, obviously the huge expectations, you bring even more superstars in, obviously with Xander, and it's his first season managing with Tatis, and injuries and underperformance and every single night, essentially, having to answer questions from Kevin Acey and Dennis Lynn and AJ Caswell and Marty Caswell and Darnay Tripp and whoever else in the media asking, yeah, well, why couldn't you get, why couldn't they get the job done today? What's going to need to happen to turn this thing around? I mean, every night. So he has to be really tired of that. So I'm sure it's taken a toll on him. And he probably has some more gray hairs this season, uh, after this season, it's probably already there. And so, and I don't know if I was, if I had one more year left and I'm a veteran manager, I've been, in the big leagues for decades. Would I want to manage a team that just missed the postseason? There's been reports that Melvin and AJ don't really see eye to eye. Do I want to manage that team with a GM that I don't see really completely eye to eye with for one more season when I don't have an extension? I don't know what my future is. It would be it would really easy to fire me in the middle of the season if something's not going right because I only have this last season left on the contract. So I understand it if Bob Melvin would be like, nah, I, this year was it. It took a lot on me. And I got to focus on uh, my family mentally. I, I, I just can't do this anymore. Um, but at the same time, I would be a little bit surprised because it feels like Bob Melvin's someone that doesn't want to leave his players when he does have a contract. Um, and again, he's not going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to finish what I started on the radio during the season. Now, there is obviously another part of this is 
I'm not going to fit or I'm going to finish out what I started unless told otherwise. Well, the unless told otherwise part, I would not be surprised if that happened. AJ Preller saying, yeah, Bob Melvin, we're going to part ways with you. We're going to go in a different direction because AJ Preller, he probably wants to find a scapegoat somewhere. And Peter Seidler usually goes with whatever AJ Preller says, whatever AJ thinks is right. Usually Peter goes with that, right? Him and ownership allowed the Andy Green hiring. They allowed the Jace Tingler hiring. And it seemed like it was Preller's thought to bring in Bob Melvin. And obviously Sider was going to allow that. But he allows pretty much everything because he believes so much in A.J. Preller. A.J. is excellence, right? Um, so I think what Peter Seidler should do if A.J. goes into his office and says, I think we need to change direction, I think Peter Seidler should say, I'm the owner. I'm your boss. You work for me. No, that's not happening. I can fire you. I can just let you go if you want to change managers. But he's got one more year on his contract. Suck this one up. You have him be the manager. And if there's a lot of success, then maybe we propose an extension there. But I'm the owner. I don't think that Bob Melvin is the reason why 2023 happened and why we didn't make the postseason this year. It's more on the players, and it's more on you, AJ. You need to be better. And Bob Melvin, yes, he does have some blame, but I don't think he is the big problem in why the Padres can't have consistency in terms of making the postseason, why they couldn't have consistency offensively this season, why they haven't won four games in a row at all this season, why they're so bad in one-run games, some of that is Bob Melvin's fault, yes, with some moves, but most of it is not. And Peter, Seid if I was Peter Seidler, I would say, okay, AJ, you want to fire Bob Melvin? Who are you going to bring in that's better than Bob Melvin? Throw out the names to me, AJ. Who are those names that are better than Bob Melvin? Ryan Flaherty? Stop. He's on the same coaching staff. You think he's going to change things around? Shouldn't he be helping Bob Melvin out? You want to go with Mike Schilt? Well, he's on the same coaching staff as well. You want to go with Ozzie Gian? Well, that, that's going to be better than Bob Melvin. I mean, Bob Melvin's already respected by the players in that clubhouse, the players that you brought in, the players you wanted to bring in, right? The players that you believed in. So who are you going to go to, AJ, that's better than Bob Melvin? That's what I would be. That's, that's what I would say if I was Peter Seidler. And AJ walked into my office and said, I think we should go in a different direction. Maybe we should go a different direction with you, starting with you. Um, you know, contracts always have to come to an end. Someone's time in the organization always have to come to an end. So I guess I could see him managing on a one-year deal. But if I was, if I wanted to keep managing beyond 2024, and we don't know if Bob Melvin wants to do that, right? So that's a question as well. But if I was Bo and I wanted to, I'd want a contract. I want some security. I don't want to go managing for one more year and I don't know what my future is going to be, right? I don't want to do that. I want the security. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, Bob Melvin earlier on Ben and Woods made those comments. I'm going to finish out what I started unless told otherwise. And that's expected. Again, not, not a surprise with his comments there. Okay. Another thing that I wanted to hit on was Kevin Acey's article that he wrote on the off day 
about the Padres and the what ifs. Like, what if I told you this about the Padres? Because there were some things where it was like, holy cow, yeah, what if I told you this? The Padres probably wouldn't be in this spot. Right? If we only knew, this is the title from Kevin. If we only knew how disappointing the Padres were really going to be. This was yesterday. And here, I'm, I'm going to read off some of these right here. What if you were told that Hassan Kim would be batting 280 and on pace for 22 home runs and 35 stolen bases while maintaining his defensive excellence? Well, if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I think the Padres would be in a pretty darn good spot because Hassan Kim is not part of that big four. And I was thinking the big four and Cronenworth were going to have some pretty good seasons. So you, you add Hassan Kim into that as well? Sign me up for that. Padres are going to the postseason, right? Wrong. What if you were told Blake Snell would be a Cy Young favorite? That beginning on May 25th, he would go at least three months with a Major League Best 1-4-8 ERA. The Blake Snell that's usually inconsistent with this Padres team, the Blake Snell that usually doesn't get going until the second half of the season, the Blake Snell that has blowups, that Blake Snell, and in a rotation that has Joe Musgrove and you Darvish at the top, and Michael Waka as a vet, sign me up for that. Padres, good starting pitching. They're going to head to, they'll, they'll be in the postseason comfortably, right? Wrong. What if you were told that Michael Waka would have a 2.63 ERA and 10 wins by mid August? Oh, Michael Waka, the guy that's had some injury concerns, and he's a back end starter in this rotation going into this season? Sign me up for that. That's, you have Blake Snell doing that. You have Musgrove coming off, obviously, an all-star appearance last year, and we know what you Darvish can be. Michael Waka, yeah. Sub-3 ERA, sub-270 ERA. Things are looking good, right? Nope. What if you were told that Seth Lugo will have made 20 starts, have a 370 ERA, and have thrown almost as many innings by August 23rd as he had in his previous two seasons combined? Oh, the Seth Lugo that we had questions marked? Question marks about, including myself, on if he was going to be able to last in the rotation. A sub-4 ERA, making starts, being healthy. I'll take that. Yeah, Potters, they're probably headed in a, a pretty good direction, right? Nope. What if you were told that with a week remaining in August, the Padres would lead the National League with 59 quality starts, and their starters' ERA would also lead the league, 3.72? Good rotation, I mean, that's usually going to set you up for success. With the offense, the improved offense we thought going into this season, sign me up for that. Yeah, Padres, they're making the postseason, right? Nope. What if you were told Tatis was going to be a gold glove right fielder and that even after missing the first 20 games of this season, after missing all of last season, was going to be on track for 25 home runs and 29 stolen bases? The Tatis that we didn't know if he was going to be healthy the entire year, and probably had some question marks about him playing the outfield and how he'd perform and how he'd respond to the boos and all that. Really? He's going to perform that well? And you add that to Manny and Bogarts and Soto and this great rotation and Josh Hader in, in, you know, with a .81 ERA. What if you were told Hader had a .81 ERA? He'd probably be on his way to being a saves leader, right? Nope. It's just like there's been a bunch of things that have been good with this Padres team, positive, that we haven't spent a ton of time on because of everything else.
because of the underwhelming performances from the star players, because of some of the injuries, because of the bullpen not being great the entire year, which we shouldn't have expected, but they got off to a really good start. Top five bullpen in baseball, and then things kind of fell off, right? And Josh Hader not being used as much as I think he should be this year because either him or the Padres, a combination of both, have said he's pitching the ninth inning in a closing situation, one inning, that's what he's doing. And so, yeah, 0.81 ERA, but is it in the sample size of some other great relievers in baseball? No, it's not, which is a little frustrating because it's like you're, you got a nice car and you're not using it. Like, why? What are you doing there? You know? So, yeah, a lot of great things, but if you've watched every day of this Padres season, you wouldn't be surprised where the Padres are at. But if I were to tell you, if Kevin Acey were to tell you, like he wrote in that article, all of those good things going into this season, I would have said Padres are contesting for the division. They're going to be right there with the Dodgers probably for the National League West, right? Nope. It's, it's sad when you look at it that way. It's just like, oh, another gut punch right there. Really. Um, okay, Joe Musgrove update. He played catch at 70 feet. He'll throw again tomorrow. Two days on, one day off. That's, I guess, the plan there with Musgrove. And, okay, I, I get that he's starting to throw and he's trying to be optimistic. The Padres, they're just, just in case, trying to get him ready. And we'll see how he does if he gets on a mound and because they're hoping... Musgrove, Padres, they're hoping that the Padres can be in it, and maybe Musgrove can make a couple starts at the end of September, help them win a couple games, get them right just barely into the postseason, right? And then you'll see what happens. But we know that they're not making the postseason. And Joe, he talked to the media before Friday's game after he threw. And again, this is just the start. This is like the start of two, three-week process before he even thinks about getting on the mound, before the Padres even allow that. So I would say just shut them down. Like, what's the point? They're not going anywhere. You don't want to push that shoulder because then he could get surgery. Or if he doesn't have surgery, it could be an even longer rehab and just mess it up again. Maybe he's not going to be ready for the start of 2024. And that would hurt next year's team. And Joe's an unselfish guy, right? He is a team player. But what's the unselfish thing to do? It's to not pitch the rest of the season. I know that sounds weird. But in the situation that the Padres are in, the unselfish thing to do, the team player thing to do is to look towards next year. Best interest of next year's team. Because it's just not going to happen this year. And again, it sucks to say, but it's just not going to happen. So be the team player and just keep rehabbing, have a strong offseason, be ready for that, and then attack that, attack spring training, be ready to go. Hopefully no kettlebell drops when he's you know, lifting weights and all that. Um, and he's not running on turf, you know, 100-degree turf, barefoot and all that. Hopefully, he can have a healthier season next year. But this season, just got to flush it and move on because you can't change what already happened. And Musgrove said here to Kevin Acey and the media, it dictates, it dictates a lot based on where we're at in the process. There's no need for me to be rushing and pushing things back if we're out of this thing, which he's right about, obviously. But I have full confidence that we're going to be in it. So these first two weeks are going to be important, just laying down the foundation work, 
And being able to open up from there, it's difficult knowing that there's a chance I might not touch a mound again this year. But every part of me mentally and physically is preparing to be able to get at least one more start in the regular season and then be strong for the playoffs. Well, sorry, Joe, but it, it seems like you're going to be watching the playoffs from your couch in San Diego. And you're not going to get back on a mound in September. At least if I were the Padres, I would not let him get back on a mound. Because there's no point. They're not, they've never, they haven't won four games in a row this season. They're bad in one run games. And even if they could go on a run, there's a bunch of teams that are ahead of them in the wild card standings. There's a four game gap between them and the Marlins, and the Marlins aren't even in a postseason spot. There's so many things that have to go right that it's like impossible for them to have all those things go right. And then Joe be healthy and perform well if he comes back. And then win those games that Joe pitches. could, Because the offense could just not show up if Joe pitches. There's so many things. It's like it's not worth it to get back on the mound. It is just not worth it. So, Joe, do the unselfish thing, the team player thing, and that's to look towards next year. That's just the situation that they're in. It sucks, but that's just the situation that we're in. Uh, Robert Suarez, update there. Suspended 10 games, but he has appealed. What chance does he have at winning this appeal? I understood it, like why he's appealing, because he's saying they didn't do anything wrong. It was just sunscreen, and maybe he's trying to kick this down the road so he can help the Padres maybe this weekend before the actual decision comes in. And he's suspended for 10 games, let's, let's say, because I think that's what it will end up being. He'll be suspended 10 games. I think that's what's going to happen. And he's just kicking it down so maybe the Padres can go on a little bit of a run here. He can help the Padres take the suspension, and then they'll see where they're at. But, again, the Padres, they're not going anywhere. And how is he going to win this appeal? Like, what evidence does he have? Because, like, it's, it, it's a feel thing with the umpires. Unless he like didn't take a shower or like he preserved the sunscreen on his arm and Major League Baseball doesn't think that it's sticky enough. But the, the umpire there thought it was. And the other umpires that gathered around thought that it was sticky enough the other day. Clearly. And so, and then I don't really buy like, oh, you had sunscreen on. Well, why do you have sunscreen on? You have long sleeves on. You have your glove on because it was on his glove hand on the, the, the wrist area there. Why why are you why do you have so much sunscreen on there? You know? So it's just and then he had no reaction. I know he doesn't really react much, but he had come on. Again, I, I'll I'll go back to if I was on the mound and they or I was running in from the bullpen and the umpires kicked me out, I'm sorry. I'd be pissed off. If I knew I didn't do anything, I'd be flipping out. Probably like Max Scherzer. Maybe not to that degree. That was pretty big there that he, he, he took that an extra length there. But I would be pissed off. And Suarez just walked right off the mound. No one was pissed off there. So that me, leads me to believe that he knew what he was doing. And so, yeah, I, th I think the appeal, he's not going to win it. I think Major League Baseball has like 10 days to review the appeal or hear the appeal, whoever hears, hears it. I don't even know who hears the appeal. But they're going to side with the umpires, right? I think Suarez is the first guy to actually appeal it. And Scherzer was pissed off against the Dodgers when he um, got ejected. 
but he didn't appeal it because he knew that he wasn't going to win it. So might as well just take the suspension because you're just wasting time anyway. So just take the suspension. And the Mets were still fighting, you know, obviously, because it was way earlier in the season then, right? So just take it and move on. And Suarez, it feels like he's more guilty than Scherzer is. Because, again, there was no reaction. And it felt like he knew what he was doing. I just don't see how he's going to win the appeal. Like, how? What argument? He's going to, so he'll, Major League Baseball, or whoever's going to review this, they're going to ask him his thoughts, his argument, and he's going to say, well, I wasn't cheating. I didn't have anything on. Well, what proof is there for that? And then they're going to ask the umpires their thoughts, and the umpires are going to say, it was way too sticky. It was way stickier than every other pitcher that we have felt this season. It's all like a judgment thing. It's a feel thing, literally. So, like, again, how is Suarez going to win this appeal? I just don't see how he's going to win this. Um, so, yeah, those are just some other thoughts there, again, beyond today's Padres-Brewers game. Melvin, Suarez, Musgrove. Um, let's get to the chat here. We'll see. Is there any super chats in here? I don't see any. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. I appreciate anyone who does that, supports the channel. Um, Steven says, Shohei isn't coming here. Why trade Angels for their equals in the Padres when he could go to a competing team and an organization that can help him recover rather than add stress? Yeah, I think there's actually a little bit better of a shot that he goes back to the Angels because of this rehab process. Let's say he has surgery, and he's hitting still, by the way, DHing. I don't understand why he is, because the Angels aren't going anywhere. Like, they even have a smaller shot to make the postseason than the Padres do, and the Padres have, like, a less than 10% shot, I think, according to fan graphs, to make the postseason. So it's over. Trout's back on the IL after just being activated. Like, why is he continuing to play? I don't get it. Um, but yeah, like, if he has surgery, maybe he's comfortable with the trainers and people in the Angels organization. So he would sign like a, a two-year deal, three-year deal, and they'd get a couple years out of Shohei after the surgery. And let's say he sits out 2024, 20, and they get a year, a couple years out of him. And so he returns to the Angels and then builds up his value back. Um, but yeah, he wants to win, and the Padres, they haven't shown a consistent track record of winning. With the Dodgers, they have. And Shohei lives there in that area already during the season. So, yeah, I think the Dodgers, there's a better shot at him going to the Dodgers than the Padres. And maybe Preller, if he's still here and he's speaking the Japanese and all that, and because there's the DH as well, because he was the Padres were a finalist for Otani, so maybe he can sway him there and have Otani come to the Padres, but it's a huge risk. I mean, I'd be ecstatic if they landed Otani, don't get me wrong, but I do realize that it would be a huge risk. And is Otani going to put the Padres over the line? Is he going to be what puts them at the top of the mountain and wins them that World Series? I don't know. I mean, I think it's more about the collective effort than bringing in one player. And Otani, he's the best player I've ever seen. But, again, it's one player. This isn't the NBA. You could spend that money on a lot of different areas of the team and make yourself a better team. You could bring back Snell. You can bring back other guys. 
and improve other areas of the roster. And you'll still have a you'll still have a lot of superstar talent on the team anyway next season. So the Padres are gonna have to weigh that. And then obviously the big question is even if the Padres want to go all in and try to get him, obviously the the question, it's not really about money. He's gonna get money from anyone. The question is, where does he want to go? What does he want? Does he want to be with the Padres? And I, we obviously don't know about that. Yeah, at least the Wave won. Yes, I'll talk about that here in a minute. Yeah, at least one San Diego team won tonight. It was a big win. We'll get to that. Irie says, there's a lot of good mid-free agents coming. Can't wait till the offseason. Cody Bellinger, CJ Crone, Charlie Blackman, Aaron Nola, Herman Marquez, list goes on. Isn't Marquez hurt, though? So I don't think that's like a, a great addition. Charlie Blackman, no thanks. Aaron Nola, I'd be interested in, obviously. But would he want to be with the Padres when his brother is in El Paso? And, I mean, the Phillies are in a good spot. They're in a better spot than the Padres are in right now, obviously. And he's comfortable there. That's all he knows. Cody Bellinger, I think other contenders would be interested in him. Maybe the Dodgers would show interest again. And the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs are in a better spot at least this season than the Padres are in. They're in a playoff spot right now. Not what the Padres can say about themselves. So, like, I think players can still be, can see the Padres as appealing. But, obviously, they'd be more appealing if they made the postseason this year and went on a run and showed back-to-back -back years that they can do it. And instead, that's not going to happen. Instead, it's going to be, well, you're going to have to sell these players on the talent, the big star talent that you have, and why didn't it work, and why is it going to work when they're with the Padres? Charmaine says, we're almost like the A's, but with money. <laughs> so, like, just, I'm not going to go there, but I guess I get your point, like, just disappointing. And... Yeah, we're we have it we have an owner that actually cares where the A's don't. Their owner cares about money and views it as a business clearly. Um the GOAT says next year the Padres will be better. It's kind of hard to be worse than what they are this year, right? So I don't think that's a super high bar. We need them to be much better than they were this year. And I wouldn't blame fans for not having World Series expectations going into next season because of what they saw this year. I want the expectations to be high going into next season, no doubt. But World Series, I mean, they, they just missed the postseason is what it's going to look like. That's what it looks like is going to happen this season. So to have World Series expectations like most of the fan base had going into this season, that was understandable going into this season because they made it to the NLCS, right? And they're getting Tatis and Bogarts and other improvements. Like, they're just going to get better. And the Dodgers got worse. And we were all taking that into account, right? But when you miss the postseason, it's kind of hard to be like, no, World Series are bust for the next year. I think it's <laughs> make the postseason and then win a couple postseason series. But then if you get to the LCS, it's like, well, it's disappointing that they didn't get to the World Series. So maybe fans will have the World Series expectations. I don't know. 
it's definitely been disappointing for sure. Devin says, I'd be surprised if Bowmel would be willing to manage a dysfunctional team like the Padres. Well, he's already doing it. And I don't know if he wants to let down the players. Like, he probably promised, yeah, I'm going to be here through my contract at least. So he probably wants to honor that. And he probably believes, because he sees things that we don't and the work that's put in behind the scenes and all that. He might not like A.J. Preller. But he probably likes Manny and Bogarts and Tatis and he probably believes in those guys and doesn't want to leave those guys without at least seeing it through however long you know the Padres want him to be there, I think. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. Devin says, we'll probably see yet another hitting coach after this season. So ridiculous. Well, if... Ryan Flaherty ends up being the manager. He is the hitting coordinator, offensive coordinator, whatever the heck they're calling it. So yeah, probably another hitting coach. Ricardo says Mark McGuire. Yeah, that worked out well. Let's hire Barry Bonds. Let's have Barry Bonds come be the hitting coach. Let's have Fernando Sr. be the hitting coach. Elevate some random dude from the Dodgers. Just hire the Dodgers security guard. He knows about winning, doesn't he? At least consistent winning in the regular season, I should say. JD's third says, I predicted 75 wins before the season started, right on target. This was all predictable. It was predictable before the season? Come on. You predicted Xander to be this bad? Maybe you predicted that. Maybe you predicted Crony to be this bad. But you predicted Manny like this, Soto to be crap in August? You predicted the offense to be this underwhelming. You predicted them to be this bad in one-run games. You predicted them to not be able to win four games in a row. Come on. And I'd be sad if I was, if you predicted that, I'd be really sad that I was right on that if I predicted that going into the season. Steven says, all sports franchises in San Diego have the misunderstanding that all they got to do is make their teams look like they're going to be good and then proceed to treat this market like it's New York City or L.A. What do you mean? So like they, I mean, Peter Seidler, he trusts A.J. Preller. And before these guys got to the Padres, weren't these guys good players? Xander Bogarts hit over 300 last year. Uh, maybe didn't like the length and the money. But he was still a good player, one of the best shortstops in baseball. Manny Machado, before this season, he should have won the MVP last year. Juan Soto, one of the best hitters in baseball, right, with the Nationals. Before they got here, really good players. So I don't think they're really just making it look like they're going to be good and treat, them, treat the, the market like L.A., New York. Look, the fans show up. Like, if, if you try to win... Look how many times the Padres have sold out games this season. They're breaking records, attendance records, even with the team sucking right now in terms, you know, relative to our expectations going into the season, right? And the fans have continued to show up. Over 30,000 a night, over 40,000 for the most part, most games this season. So it's not like Peter Seiler spending, you know, LA type money 
knowing that Padres fans aren't going to show up and the Padres fans don't show up and all that. No, they have done their part. They have shown up. So I don't really get that comment, Stephen. You can clarify if you want to. I don't really understand that. Uh, JD's third says injuries are no excuse. Look at the Dodgers. No rotation all season. Lost their shortstop. Good organizations overcome injuries and succeed despite them. It's called depth. That's true. But if Mookie Betts had a wrist injury for four months, three months, however long the Xander thing lasted, would the Dodgers be as good? If Freddie Freeman was on the IL for however long Manny was on the IL, would they be this good? Would they have this good of a record? Probably not. And I get it with the rotation and all that. Yes, they have better depth than the Padres. They're a better organization than the Padres are. Yes, I can acknowledge that. But there have been some circumstances this year where it's like, that's it's kind of hard, you know? But yeah, no, ex no excuse in terms of like this season. Yeah, the, when they were on the field, the players need to be better, of course. Uh, Slatty asks, will you be renewing your season tickets for 2024? I think so. But don't think we've made a firm decision on that yet. I'm, I'm hoping that this thing turns around because if it doesn't next year, man, it's going to be hard. Definitely not happy about the, the raise in the ticket prices, that's for sure. Yes, Don and Mud would be super sad if Blake left, I read. Yes. I feel like he likes it with the Padres. But if a team, you know, Boris Klein, if, the, if another team comes at him with a big offer, and that's a contending team, what if the Mariners come at him with some big offer? You're telling me he's going to decline that to come back to the Padres if the Padres don't come anywhere close to that? I don't know. I don't see that happening. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. JD's third says, Bowmel was pleased with Rich Hill's performance tonight, said he looked better. Did anyone see Hill blow snot out of his nose with his hand as he left the mound? I, I didn't see that. I saw him pissed off as he left the mound, and I don't really care about him blowing snot out of his nose <laughs> with his hand or whatever. Who cares? Um, said he looked better. Okay, maybe, but that's probably because he didn't pitch as long, so we didn't see the flaws as much. Right? There wasn't enough time to see the, the flaws. Steven says, Ben, what's wrong with owners being responsible in business and financially. Seidler is not paying out of his own personal pocket. He's charging more than any Padres season has ever cost. Yes, he is raising prices, and he obviously had to approve those. But that is what comes with the higher payroll. But it's just frustrating that they're doing it when it's not like the team's backing it up. Right? It'd be one thing if they were backing it up and be, you know, in a postseason spot. But they're nowhere close to that. Right? Season ticket prices have continued to rise year over year, continued, continued, continued. And so season ticket holders are tired of it. Not speaking for all of us, but I don't think any season ticket holders like, yeah, I want my season ticket prices raised when this team's not going to be a postseason team. 
And yeah, I want my team president, Eric Grupner, or my CEO, whoever, whatever his position is, emailing us season ticket holders and saying, well, there's a ton of people waiting in line. So if you don't essentially saying like, if you don't renew, that's okay. No problem at all. We'll just have someone else come take your seat, take your money or, you know, give us money. Not really. I don't think that they've valued their season ticket members as much as they should with the money being spent. Maybe that's just me. Slatty asked, what was the date the last time we were over 500? That was, I believe, May 10th. Iris says, I predicted Fernando not having the best of year and X because he just came from the American League, but I thought we would at least make it to the upper 80s and wins. Oh, yeah. I had this team winning at least 90 games, I think, in my because I had Jim Russell on the show preseason. And we made predictions. So at the end of the season, I'll, I, I think I, I saved it somewhere. So I'll go back and look at those predictions. And I, I'm pretty sure I had them winning at least 90 games. Because who like reasonably said, or who actually like predicted, yeah, this team's going to really suck this season. There's no, this team is going to, you know, the, the star players are going to underwhelm. Guys aren't going to perform. A bunch of guys are going to get hurt. People actually predicted that? No, he didn't actually predict that. Uh, JD's third says, if this is who Nando is going forward, he will be roasted and accused of cheating for many years before he got popped. It is what it is. You better pick it up next season. He also, you know, he just came back, you know, this season from the surgeries. So he is playing through shoulder pain. There's no doubt he's hurt. I mean, just watch him play a little bit. There's no doubt he's hurt. Maybe not as hurt as some other guys, but he's been playing pretty much every day this season, coming back from that. So I think he'll come back stronger and be ready for a full season's workload next year. But I think, look, sure, no excuses. Is, you know, we can say that. Like, he needs to be better. But... I think he's still got to be a little bit fair that he is coming off of those surgeries. And so he's going to not be the same all season long. I think that was a fair expectation to have going into this 2023 season for Tatis. I thought that he'd be playing in less games than he is. I thought they'd give him some more days off, uh, especially when he first came back. But they, they've been playing him pretty much every day. Um, and that's probably taken a little bit of a toll on him for sure. All right. I'll be back after this to talk about the Waves victory over Orlando. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. 
That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, so the San Diego Wave earlier today, they got a big road win. A San Diego team getting a win tonight. That that made me happy for sure, especially after, you know, what came with the Padres. That was disappointing, but this here was not disappointing. A 2-1 win on the road in Orlando, and it was big because Orlando, if they would have won and took three points, they would have leapt ahead of San Diego Wave in the table, and they would have been in the sixth and final playoff spot, but the Wave, now with a win, they went from 24 points to 27 points, and now they sit second in the NWSL table behind Portland, who's in first at 28 points. North Carolina's in third, Gotham's in fourth, Washington is fifth, and O.L. Reign is in sixth. A lot of good teams there uh, in those postseason spots, but to be fair, those other teams have not played yet this week. Portland-Washington, that's going to be a really exciting matchup over the weekend. Uh, But as for the Wave, they controlled what they could control here in this match and win it 2-1. They're now 8-6-3 on the year, on the regular season. Uh, Kaylin Sheridan returned, and she was big in this match. Sure, gave up one goal on a Adriana header in the 44th minute that tied the match 1-1. Um, but it was really good, obviously, to see Kaylin Sheridan back. She did not play in the last regular season match against Gotham last weekend for Wave because she had a red card in the last regular season match before she went off to play with Canada for the World Cup. So she had to sit out. So that's why she returned tonight. And Naomi Gurma, she also returned. She had a heavy workload, obviously, with Team USA in the World Cup. Played every minute, played every match. So... She had that match off, and the Wave won that against Gotham, so didn't end up being a huge deal. But Germa played well tonight. She was beat like once by Marta, but nothing happened from that. Um, and Sheridan made a really big save in the 79th minute. Left, and I, I don't know if this would have went in, but it definitely would have hit the post and would have went down probably, and maybe... Something would have, something wacky would have happened and a goal would have happened there, but that was a huge save. Um, and I'm much more comfortable watching these matches with Kaylin Sheridan, obviously, as the keeper over Yanez. And that's not like disrespect to Yanez, 
It's just that Sheridan is arguably the best keeper in the NWSL. So it's it's more praising her than, you know, bashing Yanez. Because Yanez had some good moments when Sheridan was away and was good enough to win that, that last match against Gotham when Sheridan didn't play, obviously. And this was the first action that we got to see of Abby Dahlkemper and Naomi Gurma together as that duo, the two center backs. And it ended up doing, they ended up performing really well. Naomi Gurma, uh, whenever she needed to clear balls, she did. And there were some times where it was like, oh, maybe you get worried because she passes it back to Sheridan, but she knows what she's doing. Whenever she does something like that, I never get worried because I know that she knows exactly what she's doing. She's so smart. She doesn't ever seem like she gets too high or, you know, gets scared of a moment or anything like that. She's always so calm. Um, so, yeah, she, she's she's my favorite Wave player, and it, it's so great to see her back, obviously. And, again, great to see Sheridan back. And Dahlkemper, I did not have an Abby goal on my bingo card for this season. Uh, she just returned recently, obviously, and she's a defender, so you're not expecting her to score. But she scored early on the seventh minute uh, off, the, off a set piece, I believe, um, rebound. Morgan had a shot off Dahl Kemper, chest, one touch in, um, off the post, I believe. And her reaction, her team's reaction, her teammates' reaction on the field when she scored, it just shows you how important she is to the club and how much she is loved by her teammates. So that was a really cool moment. I heard on the broadcast they said it was her first goal since September 12th of 2020. I think I got that correct there. Uh, a long time, obviously. So that was a really cool moment. And then the San Diego kid herself, uh, Carusa, she comes through with a header, ended up being the go-ahead goal. I think it was Doniak who had the corner and left her open. Left Carusa open, found a way for the header in in the 75th minute, gave the wave that 2-1 lead. And as I said, Sheridan with a big save a little bit later. And San Diego ends up getting the big 2-1 win. The one goal that they did allow, they left Adriana kind of uncovered because all the attention was on, I think it was Marta, who was obviously dribbling, and then she had a shot. Maybe some thought it was a shot in, but just left one uncovered. And it was a well-executed play, obviously, a good pass on Marta's part. Now... Doherty Howard, you could say that she should have not allowed that to even happen. Because I thought she had a little bit of a chance too. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to complain about that too much. They got the win, and they continue to play well on the road. And so I, I, I hope that, can, that translates at home at Snapdragon. Their next match is going to be on Sunday. So not this coming Sunday, obviously, because they just played. But Sunday, September 3rd. And there's the bucket hat giveaway, the World Cup welcome back match. I believe Sophia Jakobsen's going to be back. Emily Van Eggman's going to be back. And obviously, Morgan, Germa, Sheridan, they are already back. So hopefully the Wave will be able to get a win there against the Houston Dash. There was one other thing I wanted to hit on from this match tonight. Casey Stoney, she ends up getting a red card late in this match. A ball comes out. And she's sitting on her cooler. Obviously, that's her signature thing. She wasn't doing that a whole lot tonight. She's sitting on her cooler. And she just kicks it because the ball's coming at her. So it was just her natural reaction. And it goes down the sideline a little bit. 
And the ref comes over and gives her a red card for that. And as the ref was coming over, Stoney didn't know what was happening. So she was sitting there and like motioning with her feet, her legs, like joking around like, oh, I was just trying to hit it, touch it because it was coming right at me. And then you could see her face turn into what a red, red, red card. Like she was in disbelief and I was too. It's like, okay, I think that's part of the rules, like delay of game or whatever. Uh, But a red card for that, you can't give her a yellow for that. Because now she has to miss the Houston match as well now. So, and Casey Stoney is a brilliant coach. So it's like, I think that the ref went a little too far there, a red card for that. That's that's a little much. That, I mean, I laughed. I laughed when I saw it because I was like, especially after the replay, it's like, seriously? that That's a red? I mean, come on. You're joking, right? And it wasn't a joke. So no Casey Stoney for the next match. Uh, but I think the Wave are going to be in a good position to be able to get that win over Houston. Again, that is next Sunday. September 3rd at 5 p.m. Snapdragon Stadium. Houston, they are outside of a postseason spot. They're in ninth. They're at 19 points. So they're a little bit a ways away, obviously, from a a playoff spot. So the Wave should win that match. And that would make it, I believe, three wins in a row for them. So things are trending upward for San Diego Wave, which is great. At least there's one San Diego team that is headed for a postseason spot. And San Diego Loyal looks like they should head for a postseason spot as well. Hopefully they can get a top four finish because if they do, then they'll get the host a postseason match, which would be great because obviously it's as news came down yesterday, it's their last season as San Diego loyal, which obviously continues. It's, it continues to make me sad whenever I think about that. Yeah. Steven says here in the chat, sad to see San Diego loyal being dissolved after this year. They just didn't really have a, a new place to play. There were some rumors about Snapdragon, but then obviously that fell apart. MLS team comes in and they were already losing a bunch of money, at least from what I saw. The the report, I believe, from the Union Tribune. And then MLS, MLS team coming in in 2025, not next year, but 2025, they were probably going to lose some more of their fan base, at least consistent fan base. So how long were they going to survive? So it, it sucks to see, but I, as I said yesterday, I hope that those that worked with Loyal that are open to being a, a part of San Diego FC, I hope that they get that opportunity because that's the right thing to do for San Diego FC. All right, that's going to do it here. Talking Friars episode 455 covered a lot of topics. Padres continue to disappoint. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Reminder, code Talking Friars, $20 off your SeatGeek order. Great San Diego sports uh, apparel, breakingtea.com. Click that link in the description and bobbleheads and other apparel collectibles as well from FOCO. New partner there. Click that link in the description for them as well. Gaglione Bros, you can visit their website, and their main location is on Friars Road. Best cheesesteaks in San Diego, hands down. And then Underdog Fantasy, I'll be back with my pregame thoughts tomorrow, my Underdog Fantasy pick. Again, this is it. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you for watching, for listening, wherever you're getting this. I do appreciate all the support. Have a great rest of your night, and see you later.